Oh, the pleasure to. I'm just sitting inside a tin roof. What's up? Uh, Stephen Garcia uh, has set us up for our live interview and uh, podcast for the South Carolina preview. So I was going to see if you want to jump on, but. <laughs> I mean, I can. Um, <laughs> How much time do I have? You have like roughly 30 seconds. <laughs> Yeah, you can do it on your phone. Um, should we bring in Bearded Tomato? Send him the link. Send him the link so he can right, actually join from his phone. I'm sending you the link. All right, all right, send me the link. All right, there. A fucking clutch player here. I love bombs. I can't hear! Uh, I can't hear! I can't. Uh, There's blood blisters on my head! Oh, my God! How do I walk away and move? without flinching when it explodes behind them. There's no way. I call bullshit on that. When they flew the Millennium Falcon outside of the Death Star and it was followed by the explosion. That was bullshit. Don't you damn bad mouth Star Wars. That was all accurate. I need an MRI. I need an MRI. Hey everybody, welcome back to the College Football Uncensored Podcast, brought to you by Saturday Down South. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, my co-host, Chris Marler. Chris, it's preview season. Preview season, bitch. S-Z-N, as the kids say. Yeah, I, I, I wrote that too many times. Nobody thought it was cool. It seemed kind of confusing. <laughs> um, we are previewing Mississippi State and South Carolina tonight. Mm-hmm. We got some guests. We got one waiting in our green room, our virtual green room. Bring him in here in a second. Yeah. Um, what excites you about Mississippi State before we get into it? This, this. Oh, uh, everything but Brandon Walker. Um, so no, like they returned seventeen starters. You have, um, it, Will Rogers at quarterback coming into his third year. He started, you know, every game so far since he's been in college. Uh, and that kid is that kid is, I think, better. Then people give him credit for. I think there's like a little bit of a stigma about Mike Leach offenses and quarterbacks that like they're just, you know, they got to put a bunch of numbers. But you know, unless they grow a mustache and wear, um, I don't know, bandanas and shit like that on like Pac-12 for dark, they're not going to be very good or likable. But Will Rogers is a good quarterback. Uh, I feel like he just doesn't get enough love. I mean, like his numbers, man. Even for a Mike Leach offense, like 72 percent completion last year, like a bazillion yards. Uh, and that was just against Auburn. So I, there's a lot to like about them. I think uh, what interests me the most is are they able to take like the next step and not just be a seven and five team? Like they, I kind of jokingly say they always are. I heard an interesting stat today. Um, the podcast that uh, Stanford Steve and Chris the Bear Felica do uh, in, in during football season, they, oh, they did a that. preview of SEC win totals. Stat that they threw out there about Mississippi State, I thought that was pretty cool. There's been three times that Leach has had a third-year quarterback. Never in those three times did they lose or win less than nine games. That's a that's fantastic. Cut them in the fucking show, to be honest. That's love that. Yeah, so we did a format here for this uh, these previews, and Tyler has already won up the show. I don't have anything that good. Okay. Yeah. Let's see if our guest does. I'm gonna bring him in right now. There he is. I'll fix you <laughs> Hey, it's a bad hair day, though. So I appreciate you guys. It's been a long day. But, I, hey, I'm glad to be here with you guys. It's a, it's a great nightcap. 
We appreciate it, man. As always, uh, I, honestly, everybody had a bad hair day compared to Stetson Bennett, who just fucking showed oh. up. That was fresh. As you don't like it? it. That I is love it. <laughs> What's going on, Jake? Man, it's uh, it's been a while since we've had you on the show. I guess it was last last preseason. Yeah. Hey, and I appreciate you guys having me back. Always fun. Hey, you know, like everybody else, just getting ready for football. Getting ready. If you guys can't hear me, okay, let me know. But getting ready for football and. Uh, you know, kind of counting the days down. And, you know, I do have you uh, a stat that may top that, all joking, but not really. Love it. There's one There's one guy who actually has called all of Gardner Minshew's high school games and all of Will Rogers' high school games. Do you know who it is? It's not Vin Scully. No. Oh. He's on your show right now. I have. Shut up. What? Yeah. You know, just Brandon, you know, Brandon High School here in Jackson, Mississippi, right on a suburb. Uh, Gardner Minshew was a high school quarterback at Brandon, and his father, Will, or excuse me, Wyatt Rogers, was the offensive coordinator, still is. I started calling Brandon High School football back about 12 years ago. Gardner Minshew was a 10th grader, and I had a chance and opportunity to see both of those young men come through. So, um, you know, it's been interesting to watch both of them grow up, and I laugh when you talk about, you know, the bandanas and stuff, because that is, that is totally Gardner. Everything you see is is totally him. Um, so, you know, when Gardner was playing, Will was sitting in the press box as just a, you know, snotty-nosed little 14-year-old. Had a headset <laughs> on with his dad. He was taking notes and stuff. So, yeah, oddly, both came through the same high school. Both played, um, yeah. play, and both will have the uh, tutelage of Mike Leach. So, interesting stat there for you. I didn't know that he was even from Mississippi. Who's that? I mean, well, honestly, both of them. But, like, yeah. I mean, but but Gardner Minshew, he just – I mean, I probably just – with how stupid I am, I just assumed he was from California because he wore a bandana once. Um, that's crazy, though. That's, I mean, that, that's awesome. Can you also imagine that fucking poor kid that had to follow both of them? Just some kid named Tanner who's got, like, a noodle arm trying to – I mean, you probably call his games. I don't mean to shit on him. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Luck, kid. Yeah, you know, um, I don't think – yeah, the guy after him – well, let's see. There was a guy in between Will and Gardner – and after Gardner, there was a guy, you know, the guy after Gardner was not that good. And the guy after Will was not that good. But the guy they've got coming through this year, Brandon's preseason number one in the state of Mississippi in 6A football. And they got a kid that's not, I mean, he, look, he's going to be good. He'll likely play college football, but probably not SEC football. So it doesn't really matter then. So yeah, there you go. That's you right. They're right. Number one. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, well, good deal, man. That's, that's a, that, again, so I have nothing to contribute that's anywhere close to that, that fun. Sorry to hijack your show on all that. No, this is great. I tell you what, like you already knew this before you came on, but um, it's a little bit of nerves and also a little bit of um, a lot of bit of unprofessionalism. And I don't know how to plug your stuff because uh, every time I'm on it, I always like all I'm hoping to hear is you say something about the Harris Cherokee Casino that we are going to start talking about sports betting in. So introduce yourself fully with your your government name, yeah, um, <laughs> and, and the radio station and stuff like that because you do great work, man. Thank you. Yeah, uh, a government name, Jake Wimberley, of course, uh, program director at ESPN 105.9 The Zone in Jackson and 106.3, a part of Alpha Media. And I also host the Afternoon Drive 3 to 6, where we just do what you guys do, talk college football, NFL, have fun, a lot of sports gaming on Twitter at Jake Wim. Um, a lot of college football analytics. I try to put as much of that as I can on CFB Hourglass. So, um, you know, I'm a degenerate gamer. Actually, I played 10 totals yesterday at Ameristar. So I went yes. with 10 college football totals yesterday, win totals. Um, you know, I've, I've got a problem and I, I recognize that problem. It's not, you're not degenerate. It's like problem. I always say, you're dedicated. So <laughs> that's um, right. Also, and shout out to you because you are the very first person that had me on radio and actually got our podcast name correct. 
uh, instead yeah. of just being like Chris Marlowe, he's on Saturday. He writes for Saturday Down South and does. I, I don't. I don't at all. So I appreciate that. Uh, oh, you're Tyler, you're the host. Take it away. Like, I actually went on Jake's radio show last year too. I think I picked UNC to be a sleeper, which was not great. Uh, we'll, we'll have to get you back on there as well. We'll, we'll do that. Uh, all right. So Mississippi State finished seven and six last year. Uh, they had some solid wins. Obviously, they they won uh, at A and M um, at Auburn. Um, they, they won a game against Kentucky at home on the flip side, you know, the, towards the end of the season, some disappointment there. They also, you know, they lost the egg bowl. They got obliterated by Texas tech in the bowl game. Um, had the disappointing loss at the beginning to, to Memphis. What's the mood of the fan base going into the season right now? Cautiously optimistic. I mean, seriously, uh, you know, you still have a portion and it's a small portion of the Mississippi state fan base that says, hey, look, Mike's got to run the ball more. And, and you know, I, I get it. I understand that. But, I mean, you hired Mike Leach. You knew what he was going to do. You knew that he was coming in to throw the ball. I think cautiously optimistic. I think the fan base would like to see more consistent football. One of the things they were not last year is consistent. I mean, they literally almost lost to Louisiana Tech last year week one. Uh, they had to come back to win that. They lost the game at Memphis. Uh, you know, they had a close loss against LSU. Uh, so, you know, the the bowl game against Louisville, uh, or excuse me, Texas Tech was absolutely terrible. So you go on the road, though, and you come back at Auburn, you go on the road, Texas A&M, and you play well. Egg Bowl, you don't really play well. So a lot of inconsistent football, and let's not leave out the Arkansas game where, you know, you miss three kicks, you lose a game in Fayetteville, and then Mike Leach comes back and openly solicits for trials on campus for a kicker. So, you know, I think they just want to see more consistent football. And I think that literally is, is going to be the theme this year is how consistent can this team be? Because it is year three of Mike Leach. Will Rogers is the starting quarterback. He's he's not going to be nervous or scared in any stadium that he steps in. They've got, you know, the best receiving core that they've had in a long time, probably dates back to Dan Mullen, 2014-15, Dak Prescott. They've got players on defense. You know, they're not Alabama players on defense or Georgia, but it's a solid defense. So consistency for me is going to be – and I think a lot of people, what they're looking for out of this team this year. So, okay, question about that, because I, I didn't even realize until you went through it. I forgot about that Louisiana Tech game. I mean, like, what a fucking nightmare. I mean, great comeback. It's like the largest comeback in program history. But, like, I mean, that's that's how you kick off the, the entire season. It kind of probably was a little bit of a uh, – uh, an omen, I guess, for the rest of the rest of the year, the seven and six season, like you still have, like you said, wins against Kentucky, but win against Texas A&M on the road, by the way, which is tough to do for some yeah. teams. Um, like my question is, what is the expectation, like, like big picture wise, right, for Mike Leach, like, and and what is because I don't I don't think when he was hired, he's never been a guy that's played for a natty or, or necessarily like one. He's won big games. But like, what is acceptable for the like for the fan base in terms of his success? You know, for a, a program like Mississippi State, um, you know, and, and I can say this because I mean, I, obviously, we cover the SEC, but I went to Mississippi State, so I mean, right. I was there nineteen ninety six to two thousand. Was there through oh, the Jackie nice. Sherrill, yeah, Jackie Sherrill era. Uh, you know, the one time State ever won the SEC West, I was actually there, so you know, I can always hang your hat on that. But you know, for State, it's, it's know who you are, and you know, you don't want to be a bottom feeder. But, you know, you got to be realistic with it. I mean, State is not going to compete with Alabama year in and year out, especially with Nick Saban doing what he's doing. Um, you you know, you could possibly find yourself in that second spot in the SEC West if everything goes well. So yeah. I, I think for State fans, you know, if you can live in a seven, eight win range, play some good football, and then, of course, you know, you need to beat your rival. Leach is 0-2 against Kiffin right now in the Egg Bowl. I, I think most fans would be satisfied with that. I mean, most people were yeah. satisfied with Dan Mullen, and you know, I would say most everybody was. 
until you know the, the latter part of his, his tenure at Mississippi State, and that was a typically a seven win, eight win. They did get to an Orange Bowl. They did get to number one once, yeah, first time in program history. So I think if if Mississippi State fans could see a seven, eight win, nine win team, you know, somewhere in that range each year, and then you know have an opportunity where you get kind of a uh, you know you know say a decade type quarterback like Leach saw at Texas Tech, and then once we saw it or twice at Washington State, and you get to ten or eleven wins. And you actually in the conversation in November once in a blue moon. I think I think people would live, you know, be be happy with that. This is the most fucking reasonable answer ever. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because if you look at the power rankings on the for FPI, they have Mississippi State as a top twenty five team, but their projected record is either depending on how, if you want to round up or round down uh, seven and five, six and six. Um, their number in Vegas, I believe, is six and a half. Um, That's right. So. While they're projected to be a, a top team in the country, they've got the number two, at least co- according to Phil Steele, the number two hardest schedule in the country. So it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that. Yeah, you know, Mike Leach at Mississippi State, this is the most talented team recruiting-wise, if you go by a three-year metric or a four-year metric, than he's ever had anywhere he's coached. More, more so at Texas Tech, more so at Washington State. The problem is everybody else in the SEC West is elite recruiters. I mean, from right. Alabama, Texas A&M, they're in the top three. You look at LSU, they're in the top 10. Auburn lives in the top 15. Arkansas, Ole Miss. I mean, so he's with the most talented team that he's ever had, but it just so happens that he's played in the hardest division that he's ever had. So for Mississippi State, there's not a lot of room for error. He's got to have elite quarterback play, and that can help win you a game or two on Saturday that you shouldn't. But then you've got to play error-free football, and you've got to be consistent because Mississippi State's going to find themselves in three or four one-possession ball games. You're going to look up on a Saturday and – State and Arkansas and Starbles are going to be down, you know, inside 10 minutes, and it's going to be a one-position game. State and Auburn, uh, you know, likely State and Ole Miss, State and Kentucky. So can they win those one-possession games? And Mike Leach typically, uh, more years than not, will drop a game that he shouldn't. Last year did it at mm-hmm. Memphis. You can go back and look through his schedule at Texas Tech. They did the same thing at, at Washington State. I believe they lost the ballgame one year to Eastern Washington or, or someone of that fact early. The best directional Washington yeah. school, though. Yeah, you can't drop week one against uh, Memphis, and you can't lose to Arizona on the road out um, in the in the desert in week two. He's got to pick both those up. So I think, though, to you know, kind of circle back, the talent is really good for Mike Leach at Mississippi State. It just so happens that he plays in, a, in a, an elite – the elitist, I guess we could say, division in football. Yeah. I, and I tell you what, you have about that, like close possession games and wins. I, I would take a 25, you know, 25-point uh, – not a loss because you guys came back, but like just deficit in the first half and just rip Auburn's heart out every year. I wish you guys would do that, like, you know, just for the next decade or so. That was fantastic. Um, and on the road, too. So um, going into this year, we like we are going into last year at the receiver position. You know, you had to replace, um, I'm forgetting his name, Chris, uh, number eight. Why am I think, how am I forgetting the running back's name? Oh, Kylan Hill. Yeah, Kylan Hill. So you had to replace him. You had a lot coming out in the spring game about Wally at, at receiver. He kind of goes down with an injury. I don't think he underperformed necessarily last year, but he just wasn't as consistent as I, as I kind of thought. Is he going to take the next step? Or who's a guy on that offense that's going to be a household name besides Will Rogers? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think Jaden Wally is a guy that's going to take the next step. He was battling some injuries last year. And, you know, there was there was some time, points and times where he just was not 100%. Look for him to be okay. completely 100% this year. And it would definitely be a factor. Um, you look at a couple other guys on that roster, you know, there's a transfer and the names escape me because I don't have the, the uh, roster in front of me. So I do apologize. I'm winging this. Um, there we go. 
Got a transfer from uh, Northwestern, transfer from Georgia uh, that's going to be there. And then there's two or three other guys that, that have, have seen significant time in that wide receiver room. So, And, and you got to look at the two backs, Jaquavius Marks being one. Yeah. Uh, he's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. So, I mean, you're looking at a couple running backs that can run and move and wiggle, and they can catch it out of the backfield. We know uh, Mike Leach's quarterbacks like to check down. And then you look at a guy like the two transfers, um, and then you, you bring back Jaden Wally. There's some guys that can actually absolutely play on this uh, wide receiver unit. They're going to probably go eight, nine deep in that unit this year. Love Justin Robinson from UGA, Thank Jordan you. Mosley from Northwestern. I don't blame you, by the way, for not knowing this. I, you know, I've been a diehard of my alum for uh, for years, my alma mater, I should say. And I can't keep up with the transfer portal and all this kind of like the roster movement is insane these days. So it's like it's very it's hard. Special. I'll be watching a, yeah, I'll be watching practice clips and I'll be like, I don't, I, I don't know who half these guys are right now just based <laughs> on their numbers. So right. hey, we can't fault you for it. Um, this will be i'm sorry to be just on you this will be the deepest wide receiver room he's had and and, you know there are different body types there's some guys that are tall longer rangier that that can get down the field and then they have some guys that'll play in the slot and move around so uh it should be his best group since he's been there i tell you what that's that's a big thing right there that we haven't discussed enough or, or even seen enough from from leach because like you know i feel like this is brought up almost ad nauseum still because no one has heard from kj costello since september of 2020 he just went missing. Um, I'm assuming the Clintons did something, but we're not going to get into that tonight. Um, I, like, there's been there's been good pass catchers, there's been good receivers, but there hasn't really been like from even a body type, you know, standpoint, like a lot of difference and disparity between those receivers. It seems like a lot of you know a, a lot of slot guys, to be honest. Um, how's the defense going to be this year? I've heard one take consistently from Georgia fans. Um, well, I've heard a lot of takes from Georgia fans. The only one I've, I've cared to listen to is that they are a, a little bit wary and, and concerned about that trip to Starkville because they don't make a lot of trips uh, to the SEC West. And I guess 2020, that was JT Daniels' first start. They have a very close game in Athens. Is there any chance that they have like a, a game where they can knock off a team like Georgia, a team like Bama, um, or one of the elite teams like that? I don't think that they have a shot to knock Bama off. Um, you know, to answer that question first, I mean Bama. I mean, I saw something that uh, I think it was Salee on CBS Sports put out, or others maybe as well. As Saban said, "Hey, look, Bama was in a rebuild year last year. For for Bama, to, for him to say that about last year playing in the national championship game, that that spells doom for everybody else. So let's just take Bama off the table. Um, and plus, Mississippi State has not fared well against Alabama. Um, you know." You can go all the way back almost to the beginning of the Nick Saban era. Defensively, though, it should be a really good group. You know, and what's what's really good mean? Middle of the pack of the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, a nice staff, really good staff, good defensive coordinator. They're going to have some guys that can play up front. Now, they're not as deep as, as Texas A&M or Alabama or Georgia, but they've got some guys that can play. Second level, they got linebackers that can run. The, the big question for them is the secondary, a unit that gave up – the uh, you know they were last in the SEC at uh, you know giving up forty or more yard passes last year. I think they gave up ten or eleven last year. It was a stupid number. Um, that secondary is going to be rebuilt. They brought in a lot of transfers. Got a transfer from Alabama, transfer from West Virginia, transfer from Michigan, um, and I believe there was another one in there as well. So that secondary is going to be totally rebuilt. They did it through the transfer portal. So the unit will be salty. Uh, the unit will be good. Uh, good enough th- on most days. And, you know, back to your question about a team like Georgia. Yeah, you know, I mean, Starville's a tough place to play. I mean, it's it's uh, just about anywhere in the league is a tough place to play except for Vanderbilt and maybe Missouri, maybe. But, I mean, they've done a great job of that atmosphere there. And, you know, if Georgia comes in and if State's healthy 
if if Georgia's offense is sputtering and, uh, you know, Will Rogers is slinging it around, uh, you know, around the yard, so to speak, yeah, I think they could possibly knock off a team like Georgia late in the season. Conversely, I mean, you don't want to turn around and lose a game, you know, against, uh, you know, a team like Arizona either. So, um, again, consistency is going to be the theme, but the defense should be should keep them in the most games this, this year. Just fucking bring back Jolie Dunn and just make my life, please. Rhett, yeah, Jolie, yeah, absolutely. Love Jolie Dunn. I was going to say that if there's one thing that I know Chris loves is salty unit. That's good. That's good. You know, honestly, we're, we're about out of time here. So that is a, that's a perfect uh, – yeah, right. Before we let you go, I, do you have another question? Well, I was just going to do uh, over-under pick on the win total of six and a half. Yeah, and then uh, – and that's – I mean, that's what I was going to – I was going to say that too. Same thing. Oh, same thing. Um, but I also want to hear the other 10 bets you made because now that I'm thinking about it, 10, that's a lot. That is a lot. Um, you don't have to share all of them, but give us the good ones. All right, so I know I, I, took, I took Mississippi State on the over at six and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I took SMU over their total at six and a half. I really like SMU's team, like the quarterback that they have. I think they've worked the transfer uh, transfer portal very well. Let's see. I took Auburn under the five and a half. Oh, God. I mean, I, yeah. I respect you for it, but I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Auburn under the five and a half. I took Tennessee over eight and a half. Okay. Uh, wow. I hate everything. <laughs> hey, what's your guys' take on Tennessee real quick? I know you got other things to do here. No, no, you're fine. I, I think – so I thought about this on the last pod. I, I, they're the only team – and I've given, like, shit to Arkansas fans about, like, we just kind of expect, like, the, the close losses are going to become wins and the wins are just going to stay wins, for, you know, because everyone's an optimist and, like, going into the, the season. Um, I, I've, like, been – I think we've all kind of been, like, just a, a, under the assumption they're going to be – like, take, like, a, a drastic next step in a positive direction, Right. But I, I mean, now that I'm, like, I'm looking at it, like, I mean, they got to go to LSU. Georgia and Bama are still on that schedule. Um, I, I, I love Hendon Hooker, but that defense has always been a problem for Heupel. So I'm just going to talk myself in circles uh, for the next couple of months and hope they don't beat Bama. That's my only take. So a couple others that I took. I, I, I've got the tickets uh, across the room over there, but I, I know I took Utah over eight and a half. Yeah. Got them one of the Pac-12 and making it to the playoff. Um, wow. Baylor over eight and a half as well. I like them in the, in the Big 12. And then I took UTEP under five because, uh, you know, recency bias. They did win seven last year, but they typically are a four-win team. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of a couple others I put in there, but I that that's the ones that come right off the top of my head. I'll send you I'll send you all the plays that I did. Yeah, for sure. Um, final question. Uh, okay. Better chance of happening this year. Mississippi State makes a New Year's Six Bowl or Brandon Walker isn't a public asshole on Twitter for the rest of the year. <laughs> I know Brandon personally. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but I would say probably Brandon Walker being an asshole all year. That's fair. That's good. All right, Jake, we appreciate it, dude. Um, tell everyone where they can find you once again, and uh, and I'll look forward to coming on the radio show. Do not bring Tyler on there because he's one up me a bunch this year. So, <laughs> got it. Hey, on Twitter at Jake Wim, and of course, uh, you can always stream the show on the Zone 1059com uh, podcast. Just all the podcast platforms. Just search. Uh, the afternoon driver, the Jake Wimbley show. And I will talk to both of you gentlemen soon. I appreciate you having me on. Of course, man. Appreciate Thanks, it. Man. Appreciate bye. it. Bye. See ya. All right. Bye-bye. All righty. All right. So well, who, what is your pick for Mississippi state real quick before we get. So to- I, I broke down. Um, let me get us back into our flow here. Are we, are we having a guest for this next step? Like there's, <laughs> I'm going to be so upset. Um, if this isn't if this isn't work out, I mean, we're just not going to do a South Carolina preview. 
Okay. Bottom line. I mean, that graphic. Bottom line, just ever or tonight? <laughs> no, fuck that. Like, the entire university is dead to me if that happens. Um, uh, no. So, I, I, you know how I like to do it. I like to boil it down to wins, losses, and toss-up games. Yeah. I think definite wins are Memphis at Arizona, Bowling Green, East Tennessee State. I gave them Auburn at home. I don't know if this is a definite win, though. Okay. And then their losses, I have Texas A&M at home, at Alabama, Georgia, at Ole Miss. So, toss-up games, I think, at LSU. They beat them in 2020 at Baton Rouge. It's early in the season, so, you know, new new coach. Try to figure out some stuff on the O-line and, and QB, possibly. That could be a toss-up game where they could win. Arkansas, last year, uh, was a close game. Arkansas, Arkansas scored late to win. Uh, Leach is 0-2 versus Arkansas. The home team is 2-7 and against the spread. This game's oh. at home. Um, so that's a toss-up to me. And then at Kentucky, the home team's won that game the last seven times they've played it. That's crazy. Look at you. Killed it. So um, I, I, I think, I think I'm going to go bullish with the Stanford Steve stat that um, Will Rogers in year three. Yeah. Typically they have good years with in the third year of the quarterback. So I'll go over the six and a half. I'm going to go over. Plus, you know, criminally low. Got to go with my man, Jake. He took the over. Yeah. He, he knows it. He like, he's, he's got a little bit of Jimbo in him because he talks super fast, but he like doesn't miss any possible points to make. Like he's, I feel like every time I talk to him, he's so full of fucking factual information. It's incredible. Someone that is probably not full of factual information. Um, we're gonna do. We're we're gonna get into South Carolina. I think. We're, why don't we before we start talking about South Carolina? Because maybe, maybe follows through. I don't. I mean, do, do, do you want? All right, do you want to go a little bit more into uh, to uh, the stuff we had for Mississippi State? I feel like you do because you have a, a bunch of stats. So we could definitely do that. I also wanted to have like some, you know, talk about like just what's going on in the world of college football today. Um, mainly just like the. The shit was basically stalled to see if our guest shows up. Yeah, also that, also that. Sure, I mean it's it's fine, it's fine. Well, maybe we'll bring in a listener. Are there any South Carolina listeners out there that are South Carolina? Yeah, fans? Good. Um, <laughs> listen, so I we we've decided to do this and start like this week, uh, and we I think we both knew that like especially with the quick turnaround from like Monday to Wednesday, um, and I'm moving and you have like an actual life. So trying to coordinate everything in like a quick turnaround, maybe this wasn't the right person to go with. <laughs> like, um, but there was no way we were going to do South Carolina and not have fucking Steven Garcia be the guest. Right. We did this last year. He was the, this is the first team that we covered during this series. And he showed up without a shirt, in laying the, in bed, three beers deep. Beer. Yeah. yeah. And it was one of the best episodes we ever had. It was awesome. <laughs> I was hoping he got. He recently got engaged. I was hoping to chat with him about that. And tell him yeah, about how you know life is kind of peaked at this point. I guess for him, that's what that means. That's the peak. Oh, that's not good for me. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I mean, honestly, it, like the only thing that's ever brought up with Stephen Garcia is usually um, him beating Bama in 2010. So it's nice that we have something else to talk about. It just, uh, especially that it's his um, engagement. So I go. We just continue to have less and less things in common. Right. So do we want to wait for him or do we want to go do South Carolina another night? We're, no, we're going to do it now. We're, we're waiting. Okay. What do you think? All right, let's get into it. We'll just, we'll, we'll slowly get into it. See if he shows up. Before right. we start South Carolina, let's get into what, what happened today and, and the recent 
uh, news in, and by the way, I did a space this morning that somebody invited me into and just got fucking dragged by Ohio state fans for an hour. Damn. I mean, just horrific things they were saying to me. It was awful. Is Garrett young? Do you know this? Do you know who Garrett young? I do not. Okay. Um, I think he's a fake South Carolina fan that wants to come on and talk about. South we were, let me, we're going to make a phone call here. This is, this is library. This is good. This is good. Um, Oh shit, the story. Why do I keep doing that? I'm gonna call Bearded Tomato. You you kind of intro us into what, what else is going on. All right. This is intermission right now, so we can talk about anything. I'm gonna answer some questions. All right. In the chat, when you, if if Steven Garcia shows up, you guys start putting some questions for him in the chat. Yeah, like what? What are you doing right now? Pleasure to. I'm just sitting inside a tin roof. What's up? Uh, Steven Garcia uh, has set us up for our live interview and uh, podcast for the South Carolina preview. So I was going to see if you want to jump on, but. <laughs> I mean, I can. Um, <laughs> How much time do I have? You have like roughly 30 seconds. <laughs> phone or no? Yeah, you can do it on your phone. Um, should we bring in Bearded Tomato? Send him the link. Send him the link so he I can actually join this. from his phone. I'm sending you the link. I'm a fucking clutch player here. Um, my man is dedicated to the craft, and I got to give him huge props for that. Not, dude. Also, just celebrate 100 days sober. Oh, yeah? Yeah. My dad's celebrating 30 years sober tomorrow, I'm assuming. I mean, he's still got that going on. But um, Let's see here. All right, guys. Well, we, we're, we're getting our, a new guest in. Uh, we're going to be previewing South Carolina, obviously. Um, yeah, we'll just wait for him, I guess. Seven and six a year ago. I swear to God, if it says he's, that he saw my Instagram DM to him and didn't respond, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do nothing about it, to be honest. I'll just complain. Yeah. This is the last time we have you on this podcast. What? That's what you, that's what you would say to him. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> it's all right, man. He got engaged. Right. You know, his, his life is different now. And yeah, but that's, I mean, like, that's still a, a, a slow burn from everything I know about it. Like, he's, he's going to be engaged for years. Like, he can't, he can't make time for that. He also just got engaged. He's probably on vacation. And I may or may not have texted him about it at like 7 45 a.m. <laughs> so, this is incredible. Uh, all right, Garrett Young, you're not, we, we found a guest. Sorry, buddy. Um, South Carolina, best directional school in Carolina. Sure, why not? Robert St. Jean, yes. Uh, a little bit of a mess here, but it's okay. This is what we, you know, this is why I mean, you do a live performance, really, and it, and it is a performance. I mean, let's be honest, we're we're fantastic at what we do. But sometimes when it go when you go live, things things get a little wild. Chris isn't even here anymore. I mean, Chris doesn't, he's not here. Uh, we got a new Chris that's, that's joining. So he's out here. Oh, what's going on, man? How you doing today? I'm good. I'm outside of tin roof and cola, man. What's up? This is fantastic. I, I appreciate the last minute nature. I don't know where Chris, my Chris went. He's he gone now. He just called me too. Okay. So we, <laughs> okay, here he is. Here he is. We're live right now. Unfucking real. I love it. The, the man, the brains behind it, Chris Marler. You look good. You look better in it, though. That's all that matters. How all you right, been? Well, I'm not. I'm not even going to argue that. 
Fair enough. Let's get the man back to his night. We want. We just wanted to get an expert in here. Garcia stood us oh. up. He's oh, engaged Where's now. Garcia at? I thought he was the expert. I mean, <laughs> by the way, shameless plug since you brought him up for all those who might be tuned in. Our Monday segment with Garcia is just pure gold. By oh, the way. good. So he showed up to that one. He, he actually does because I'm paying cool. him, Marther. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, the, one thing too, like about like Garcia, because I, I wasn't here when he had like a short, and I don't know the ins and outs of it, but like I think we may still owe him money because he's brought it up to me almost every time we've interacted. Well, he, he was very comfortable going on my show and saying that he owes the city of Columbia about $3,000 in parking tickets. And he made it very clear to point out they will never see that money. So yeah. nobody from uh, old, old, old down here was listening. That's all I know. Love it. No, man, we, uh, we were talking about beforehand, like me, you, Tyler, and him did the preview last year. Yeah. And it was fucking great. It was, I mean, like there was, we got so many messages that like, you were, we got like a, like a dozen messages saying how likable Steven Garcia was and they didn't know it. And yeah. then we also had one guy who said, oh, fuck you, Marler. His name is Brennan. He's such a pro. I mean, he, he literally sat there on the Monday, you know, again, this Monday, and was just like, he was like, because, of course, you can't help but talk about his suspensions because there were like 27 yeah. of them. But, I mean, he, he was just like, he's like, you know, dude, I didn't do anything like that bad. He was like, I was just living like a college dude. And I was like, but, yeah, but you were a college dude that was also the starting quarterback in an SEC school. That's yeah. the only thing. So, you know, I mean, because he's right. It's not like – I mean, we literally he told the story about pulling the uh, the fire extinguisher thing. And it's like that was just stupid. That wasn't like – that wasn't – he didn't hurt anybody or, or, you know, put anybody's life in danger. Idiot. He hurt me, he hurt he was me just, a lot. So, yeah. All right, well, let's get let's get into it real quick. Seven and six a year ago, uh, big wins over Florida and Auburn at home last year. I think there's a lot of excitement. Got the TikToks going. People are jazzed up. A um, couple first place votes in the preseason SEC media polls. What do you think about that, Chris? Rayon, I think. I don't know who it was. <laughs> hey, no, listen. We need to know who wrote in Vandy. As the first, like, like that Dan person Wolken. needs to come forward. Yeah, it's Dan Wolken. It's Dan Wolken, Brian Harson, or all of our exes. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's a terrible person. All right. So obviously, the off season was super exciting because you know Beamer brings in Rattler and, and uh, Austin Stogner from Oklahoma, two guys he had previous relationship with uh, from his time at Oklahoma. Would be my guess. Um, what have you heard about Spencer Rattler? Not only on the field, how he's been with you know, through spring and, and heading into fall camp, but then also just kind of off the field. Cause I know he, ne- he doesn't have like legal issues off the field, but there's been right. rumors about how, you know, not, not the best guy, not the nicest guy. And I think a lot of it stems from his high school days, yeah. which, you know, people can grow up. So what have you kind of heard about Spencer Rattler thus far? Well, I mean, first things first, Tyler on the field, what you hear about Spencer Rattler is just talented, right? The immense arm talent. I and mean, there's a reason this guy was a five-star prospect. And mm-hmm. there was a reason about a year ago this time, he was thought of as the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy, favorite to be maybe the number one draft pick in the NFL draft. And um, so it's the talent that jumps out. You know, we saw a little bit of that in the spring game, not a ton. They really didn't open things up. Of course, it was a spring game, but um you know, just a natural throw of the football, right? We, we all hear arm talent all the time, but, I mean, he, he is a – he, he, uh, Say it again? Fingertip speed. That's my yeah, favorite. He's got it. He's got it, right? I mean, again, I know what happened a year ago with, with the situation in Norman. He loses his job. But, hey, here's a fun fact. The guy's 15-0 as a starter. So, when he does start and plays, he plays pretty well more often than not. 
you know, off the field, I mean, I mean, listen, everything we've heard from Beamer has been positive about, you know, he's come in, he's been a great teammate, all the guys they've talked to. And, and I think, you know, I'll say this is like, even if things weren't peachy, what are they going to do? Come out and just talk all offseason about right. how terrible things have been and right. how terrible the guys. I can tell you this, though. I've had interactions with him via social media. Um, we've done a lot of work together with uh, some different causes, if you will. And he's been nothing but great to me. I mean, he's been awesome. He's been friendly. He's been just a cool dude. So, you know, I'm not saying that says everything about him. But, you know, I think what happened last year in Norman, guys, I think that could be one of the best things that ever happened to him. Because, yeah. again, you're bringing up the QB1 documentary. And, you know, we were all shitheads when we were 16. But especially yeah. for a guy that, like, your entire life, yeah. people tell you how great you are. You walk on water, and no, I'm sure Marler, you were you were just a, a fantastic oh, human being. Downhill, I've just been on a downhill ever since. Not at all. No, I mean, I just and I haven't even watched the documentary, but we've all seen the clips on social mm -hmm. media. People use that 15 second segment to say how terrible a human being is. I'm not saying Spencer Rattler's been a great teammate his entire career, but I think more of it so comes from the trust in Beamer that. He's going to put South Carolina's best interests first, and he's not going to bring in a guy, I think, that would be some sort of negative to his program. I, I just don't think he'd bring in a guy like Spencer Rattler if he thought he was going to be a guy that was going to divide the locker room and tear the locker room apart and tear down the culture that he's working so hard to build. I think also, too, you're seeing Beamer kind of go almost out of his way to not, like, dampen the hype, but not not bring unnecessary attention to it. I mean, look at it. He didn't even bring Rattler to media days. And if yeah. somebody that creates content around South Carolina – I was bummed. I think we were all bummed from a content perspective. But when you sat back and thought about it, you're like, you know what? It makes a lot of sense. This guy's going to get plenty of attention. He's already got enough pressure. Uh, why add any more? You know, reward the guys who have been at USC for three, four, yeah. five years, whatever. So, you know, all reports have been good. On field, obviously immensely talented. Off field, all we've heard is he's been a great teammate. He's buying in. Um, and, and I think the, you know, last year at this time, he was sort of being anointed Heisman favorite, number one pick. I think this year the vibe is he got a chip on his shoulder and got something yeah. to prove. Because there's, I mean, dude, he's not even making an all-conference team. And I understand he's playing for South Carolina, who doesn't have the personnel of Oklahoma. But I mean, he's not even getting mentioned. He's not even remotely getting mentioned. So I, I'm excited to see what I think and what I hope will be a Spencer Rattler with that chip on his shoulder and that edge. And you know, that should help spell some big things for him. And if it spells big things for him, it will spell big things for South Carolina as well. What a fucking line. That's good. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this. You know, I was – I had to take – I think I openly said he, he seemed like an asshole. And, and I always say this. Like, we're a nation of haters. We, we want people to fail if we don't like them, right? Um, it's how Twitter goes every day. But, like, Rattler – I remember when we had Danny Cannell on, he, he voiced it. Like, and I was like, oh, I mean, like, this is, this is a very – like, if, if somebody of that, like, you know, professional magnitude is still going to, like, voice that and be that outspoken about it, like – I feel like it was like a universal type of, of opinion, but all he's done since then is just get shit on kind of unfairly. Like all the stuff about like the, the whole narrative that he lost his job to a freshman, like that's a bad thing. Like it in Caleb Williams, like he's not a talented quarterback. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's a top 10 overall player coming out of that recruiting class. I think it's awesome to see how exciting the, the fan base is right now. I, like you, especially Outside of my horrible grandparents from Anson, Alabama, the way they reacted when uh, Trump was elected, I've never seen anybody this excited over a transition of power from Muschamp to Bieber. And it's awesome to watch. And I mean that. People are going to get upset. I just I said Trump. the Hall of Fame analogy. I mean, like, there's, there is, you're smiling. I mean, you got 10 now. Like, you're just. Where you're going, that was, that was the. 
an incredible ride, my friend. Thank you. You know, not having not having Rattler at Media Days, like Beamer didn't need to because like, that that dude, all he does is create positive momentum and and content and, and whatever for that university. Um, I, I, like he hasn't fucking missed once since he's since he's been hired. And Marlo, so, I would say th- I would say this too because I, I agree with you. I feel like a lot of the takes around Rattler are just really lazy for yeah. lack of. Yeah. And it's like, it, you know what's really dangerous in a slippery slope is to try to judge someone from the outside when you just have no clue what's going on behind closed doors. So to try to make those assumptions and say, especially like right now, like, oh, well, Spencer right. Rattler's not going to succeed because he's a bad person. Like, yeah. that's a pretty bold claim to make about somebody that you don't even have any clue about them. Like, right. like people can change, they can evolve, they can grow. A lot of maturation happens between like 18 and 21, as we all know. But the point is this, and the bigger point that I think people are missing from the outside, the national people, the rivals of South Carolina, those fans, Gamecock fans like myself are not fired up and excited because we think Rattler's going to win the Heisman or he's going to be first right. team on SEC or we're setting these insane expectations. Guys, we're excited because he's just so much better than anybody we had last year. Not just here, but ever. Like, basically ever. I mean, since the Shaw days, South Carolina has been struggling to find that guy they can look at on a week-in, week-out basis and say, you know, I I look at Rattler, and you guys can tell me this is too bold. I see Rattler as having, like, the Spurrier effect in this way, Mm -hmm. that when Spurrier was on the sideline, each and every single week, Carolina could be a 21-point dog. didn't matter who they were playing. Think back to 2010 Bama. Sorry to bring it up, Marler, but, like, didn't matter who they were playing. You felt like because of the HBC, because mm-hmm. the old ball coach, we had a shot, right? If mm-hmm. he has his one of his days, he out-schemes the other guy, out-coaches him. Hey, who knows? We could pull an upset. Rattler's kind of one of those players where it's like, you know what? We might not be as talented as a Georgia, as an A&M, as a Clemson. We're going on the road to Fayetteville or an underdog here and another. But if Rattler just has one of those days, if he's feeling it, if he's clicking, if he's you know in the vibe, in the groove, he could lead us to yeah. an unexpected win or, you know, maybe help us overachieve or something like that. That's why fans are excited. You know what I mean? So I just feel like it's so lazy to just label, well, he's a bad kid. Like you mentioned, everything that happened last year, Rattler has openly come out and said how toxic of a situation it was. And if right. you think the situation doesn't matter, look at South Carolina under Muschamp to Beamer. You know what I mean? Like you could just point to culture last year as to why they were able to the second half of the season beat a Florida, beat an Auburn. I mean, I'm not putting it all on that. Make Carolina great again. Am I right, brother? You know what I mean? Right. Like That's all he's done. Right, for sure. For sure. So, um, no, I, I think it's spot on, man. I think it's it's fun to watch all this stuff like, kind of unfold and you see like all the the like positive, like I said, positive momentum that he's got going for the program. I have to throw this out there for you guys. Speaking of yeah. how porous the quarterback position was last year, South Carolina, Satterfield brought this up. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. Satterfield, or Gamecocks had nine different players throw a pass last year. Nine. In one year? And one of them is Zeb. And they <laughs> seven games. I, I, see, I tell you what, the, the <laughs> fact that, like, like the excitement isn't even just from the, like, the, the significant, like, increase in talent at quarterback, but, have, like, you don't cheer for people named Zeb. Like, you, the only people that you cheer for that are named Zeb are, like, those dudes that like rip apart phone books and like the church, like the, the song <laughs> team, power team. He still didn't break your whole like the whitest quarterback ever because Spencer's still a pretty white name. So yeah, that's yeah. Rattler's yeah. Really white. That's the crazy part. <laughs> my, so my my um my biggest 
not it's not concerned, but my biggest I think uh, thing that I'm excited about besides Spencer Rattler this year is is this the year that Marshawn Lloyd breaks out because he looked real good in the spring game. He was healthy. What's the running game going to look like um, and, and take some of the pressure off him? I think a lot of the questions with the running game do center around Marshawn Lloyd. Like a, a lot of like what the answers will be will just come from is he back or even remotely close to back what we thought or what we think he's going to be, right? I mean, like you said, we saw a flash in the spring game. I thought last year maybe we didn't give enough credit to how severe the injury was with his knee, and, you know, he just looked a step slow. And I think Marchand's biggest thing last year to listen, we've had him on the show, he's a great kid. He wants to prove everybody, this is why I was a five-star, you know, I'm going to live up to the hype. And I feel like every run last year he was just trying to hit the home run and break a long run and show everybody why he's that dude. And, and I think so changing the focus for him to, number one, just being 110% healthy, but just being a productive running back play after play yeah. instead of, hey, it's okay to hit singles and doubles, right? The homers are going to come. Hit some right. singles and doubles and be productive in the meantime. Um, I mean, outside of Lloyd, Christian Bill Smith, the transfer from Wake Forest, who led the Demon Deacons in rushing a year ago, um, I, I think he's going to be a really solid option for you. I like him in short down as well, kind of a bigger bodied back. I think Juju McDowell is the most underrated player on the Gamecocks offense. Like, every time he touches the ball, he's getting 10 yards. It's crazy. Like well, He's the one that took over in that East Carolina game, right? Yes, he's the one that took over on that last drive. And then UNC had a touchdown run. He's, he's like Waterbug. I don't know how his nickname's not Waterbug. That's what he reminds me of. He's just like a Waterbug, just kind of dancing through. Yeah, I don't um, know what that means at all, but. But Lavoisier <laughs> Carroll, sort of a mystery coming from Georgia, was playing DB for them last year. But he was ranked as one of the top running backs coming out of high school, coming out of those ranks. Um, but, you know, you got to replace Kevin Harris and the Quandre White. So the, yeah. the question is just going to be how do they divvy up the carries? I, I think they've got – I think they've got the guys at that position to be productive. Um, it's just all about, again, I think, like you said, Marshawn Lloyd, can he step up and and be that guy and live up to his five-star hype? And, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure for him to do so. Again, it, it's the upside with him is so great. And, you know, I don't want to say there's more pressure on him because of how many stars he had coming out of high school. But, Marlo, this ain't Alabama. We're just loading up on five stars every year. You get a five-star at USC, you need to get the most out of them because it's not yeah. like we're getting seven or eight per class. You know what I mean? So it's like when you land one, he needs to pan out. That, that's right. at least how I feel. And Lloyd's just one of those guys, man, that it's like, okay, second year coming off the injury. Let's see it. Let's see it. And I think early on, man, you got to give him to, like, Georgia. And if you don't see it through the first couple of weeks, again, there's only one football. There's a lot of guys on our offense that need to touch it. I think you say, hey, we got to give Juju those carries. We got to give Carroll those carries. We got to give somebody else a look because we got to be productive. We just can't yeah. wait all year on Marshawn Lloyd to figure it out. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of what they right. tried to do last year. But I've got my fingers crossed, man. I think a lot of the difference between the Gamecocks having an okay year and a plus year are they rest on the on the legs of number one Marshawn Lloyd for sure. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Wouldn't want to keep you too much longer, man. What what do you think? Uh you look at the, the, the schedule for the year. What's the biggest chance for an upset on the schedule? Well, I've picked the Gamecocks to beat Clemson. So that's really good. Clemson. Think, do you, do you think Clemson. it's an upset? I don't know. <laughs> no, listen. I dropped. I dropped my full-on game-by-game predictions, and uh, you know, I, I uh, you know, I, I, I made the dramatics, the flair for the dramatics in my actual show. But you know, just talked about at some point streaks have got to end, and South Carolina eventually has got to play Clemson close, right? Well, I'm not picking them to play Clemson close. I'm picking them to win the game. I, I just, right. I'll tell you this, and I think there are other opportunities for sure, maybe an A and M. But I'm so mentally shot with A and M because we've just never beat them. You lost to them last year, 44-14, to 14, and all they did was add the number one class in the country. I mean, you had 11 yards of offense in the third quarter. I don't know. Maybe – That's better than the year before. Do what? 
It's better than the year before. <laughs> right. A uh, and M has been like one of those games where you just you. Sh- I'd rather just not have watched. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but the Clemson game, man. I, I look at this, and I understand it was thirty to nothing last year. We've heard it endlessly from Clemson fans. I'll just say this. I think for the first time since 2013, Carolina comes into that game with the better quarterback. If the offensive line, if the line of scrimmage for South Carolina can just play an average game, right. they can hold their own, I think the Gamecocks have got a shot in that one. I think like a 24-20 to 20 game. I think it's very – I know it's on the road. If it was at home, I'd hammer it and go throw money on it right now at Carolina's beating Clemson. Like, I, still would, I would love if, like, they, that's knocks them out of the playoff. Like, if they were 11 0, like, do you, do you think incredible. 11 0 at that point? Like, I look at, and I'm not, I don't think Clemson's like terrible. The dynasty's falling apart, but maybe I'm wrong for thinking this. I've just had a gut feeling for months now, and I'm, I'm not someone, guys, that puts the garnet glasses on and just, oh, I'm just picking the game cocks every year to beat Clemson. Since I started my business in 2017, I've never went on record and picked Carolina to beat Clemson in football because I just didn't think it was going to happen for good reason, yeah. right? Carolina's gotten smacked every year. This year, though, I, I just feel like Clemson's mortal. I, I just – I do. I know they're elite defensively. But if Carolina with Rattler is just able to, at that point, like sustain some drives, I think they'll have the defense to withstand Clemson offensively. I mean, who the hell is their quarterback? Now, listen, if Clemson finds a quarterback, if this Klubnik dude, this five-star is the, the truth, or DJU plays the form they think he can – well, then Clemson's a national title contender, right? That's the only thing right. they're missing. I think their defense is national title caliber. For sure. It's like what we saw last year. I don't see any reason why Carolina can't go toe-to-toe with them, put together some drives. It's an opportunistic night for Clayton White's defense. And then, you know, one thing leads to another. It's a fourth-quarter game. And from that point, it's anybody's ball game. And I could see it being 20-17. to 17, And Rattler leads the team down the field. They score a touchdown, win the game 24 specific. This is good. I, right, right. Okay. And that's, I, like I, that. I just, I've had this gut feeling, and I just figured, like, you know what? It's college football. It's crazy. Yeah. When does it ever play out the chalk? I understand the streak. I understand it's been domination. Carolina's going to beat Clemson at some point. It's only crazy until it happens. Right. Last year at this time, if I would have told you South Carolina was going to beat Florida by 20 points, you'd have said I was insane. Oh, Georgia fans were all over that, too. Of course. Right. What happened? And, and that was the game I looked at last year. It's like, this is the biggest potential for upsets, the Florida game. Yeah. Now, I didn't see it going the way it did, but sure enough, it happened. So, I'll, just, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. At minimum, I think Carolina gives Clemson a close game this year because those games haven't even been competitive. I saw an early spread. Clemson's a 16-point favorite. Mm-hmm. I will gladly take that all day long. And I'll tell you this, guys. If Carolina can't cover the 16 this year, Clemson's streak might get to 15 games. I mean, literally. I, I just, I, I just yeah. don't like it. It'll so they're so in Carolina's head. Forget it. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I, I mean, the biggest concern for Dabo, I feel like, like everyone keeps bringing it up, and like you know, Tyler's brought this up too, is that they don't have coordinators. But what we've learned from Dabo is that you don't need coordinators if you have the Lord. So we appreciate you uh, stopping by, dude, and, and filling in, man. We'll have to get at you soon, and uh, and I'm assuming you're taking the over on the wins, right? We'll have to give Beamer to give one of those Steve Spurrier speeches where he does the whole God smiling on the Gamecocks thing. Hopefully he's smiling on us a little. Hopefully God likes us a little more than he likes Clemson that night. <laughs> According to Dabo's live, that's why God in the same preview. This is, we can't yeah. post Yeah. I'm <laughs> on your show and like, hey, how do you think Clemson football is going to do this year? It's like, well, I think we're going to win every game because the Lord likes us more than the other guys. Oh. Okay, <laughs> cool. Good analysis. Thanks. More <laughs> All right. We'll get AC, man. We appreciate it. 
Hey, appreciate you guys, man. Y'all take man. care. All right, see ya. Look at that. We got somebody on. We love um we didn't get into the defense much. I felt bad. You know, he's out like probably out to dinner with friends, just walking around for 45 minutes talking to us. <laughs> um, um, that was nice though. But uh, yeah, what do you do at taking on? Because the win total, I've got a six for them. All right. So I just feel like they really, really overachieved last year, and I hope they do well. But like, all right, here's the, here's the, the schedule. Georgia State, that's a win. Arkansas, I'm going to assume it's a loss because it's on the road. Yep. Then you have Georgia at home. That is a loss, no matter what. All those people, and yeah. I see what we're saying. Charlotte, that's a win, unless they're playing basketball and it's against the Hornets, I guess. South Carolina State. Um, so you're talking, they're three and two going into Kentucky. They have struggled mightily with Kentucky over the past like seven years, and they got to go on the road. I don't see them winning that game, right? Yeah, they've got Kentucky's won the last four at Kentucky and seven of the last eight at Kentucky. Um, I'm trying to look up real quick, too, and see if. They have a buy before A and M, but A and M is also off a buy. That doesn't like that has A and M is going. They've beaten the shit out of South Carolina the past two years. I have it as an L. I have it as an L. But um, I mean, like I would love to see it, but I, yeah, I don't. I don't think that that is. So I think at this point, you're talking about your three and four. You get Mizzou at home. That's pretty much a must win. Yeah, so I think I got a W four. there. Vandy. But closing out at Florida, Tennessee, close. I tell you, one of the wildest things that's happened, and it shows you how quick the turnaround's been. And I don't share his optimism on the Clemson game, by the way. Not at all. That was so. That was a lot. <laughs> it's at Clemson. He's right. But I did too. I did too. I'm rooting for him, but I don't that, know. I mean, the offensive line was not great last year. Also, you know, do you know that every in every single major offensive category, scoring offense, rushing offense, uh, passing offense, total offense. South Carolina ranks 93rd or worse in the country in those four categories. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it comes down to that Kentucky game, the Florida game, and the Tennessee game. That, you know, the Kentucky game is going to be very tough to win. Um, at Florida, you know, they won big last year, 40 to 17. They beat Florida at home. You know, does I, I'll be interested to see. You know, I look forward to our Florida preview because I think. I think opinions are mixed on Anthony Richardson. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then Tennessee at home. That's a big one. South Carolina's got five wins in the last seven against them at home. Uh, one of those losses was an OT. Yeah, they've they've beat Tennessee five out of the last seven times they played in Columbia. Um, but the Vols have won three straight against South Carolina. So that's, that's going to be – I think if they're going to go over that six, they're going to have to win that Tennessee game because I, I agree. Georgia State, Charlotte – South Carolina State, Missouri, Vandy, Tennessee would push, and then I think you you got to win at Florida. I, I'm going to take an, at Kentucky as a loss. Anytime you see, yeah, of course. Anytime you see, like, and again, I, I, to be clear, like I'm, I will pull for them in every game. Uh, like, love it, love Beamer, all that kind of stuff. But for being realistic, I mean, they they probably should not have been in the bowl game last year because in the. What I was going to say earlier was one of the wildest assumptions I think of fans that just like become like a foregone conclusion is not only is Carolina going to be so much better going into year two because they're obviously going to progress if they were already that good in year one, um, that they're just going to beat Florida in a, in a road game that right. is same Late as, in the year. Yeah, like that kicks off your games against then Tennessee and then Clemson. I mean, you, you have on that schedule, you have – at Arkansas for one, and that's that's probably like your fifth toughest game. 
you have Georgia, Bama, A&M, and Clemson. Those are four teams all ranked in like the top six. Yeah. But, you know, it could be, I mean, who knows? That stretch at Florida, Tennessee, at Clemson, and the year is tough. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, at Florida, I guess, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what Florida is this year. I still think all the recruiting bullshit about Napier, I think he'll end up being very good there. Um, Nine four stars this weekend. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for for tuning in. I'm going to take, I'm actually going to take the over. I do think Rattler probably is a little underhyped at this point, as much as he was overhyped last year. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he kind of went under the radar a little bit coming into South Carolina and he is by far, and I'm going to say it now that Garcia didn't show up, by far the best quarterback they've ever had. He's the only quarterback I'll even recognize from, right. from that university. So so, um, so I'm going to go ahead and, and say that he's the difference, and I'm going to take the over. They won seven last year. Do you think they take a step back with a much better quarterback? I, they should have lost to Auburn. They should have – I don't say they should have lost to Florida, but they should have lost to Auburn. Um, I, I do think they take a step back. And it's not anything because of Beamer not being a great coach or them not having the talent. I think it's strictly because of the fact that, like – it just there's only so much room that you can like progress there. I mean, what is that fucking ceiling? If you if you have four teams in the top six, and we know how bad those that, that they have been. The biggest wins for South Carolina's program in the past five years, besides the, the Georgia game on the road, like think about this: they beat Georgia, who was ranked number three in the country um, in 2018 or 2019. I think it was 2019. They beat them on the road in that noon game. They went three and nine, or four and eight. And with that win. So it's like, even when they had, you know, what would be like program defining wins, you would think for, for much like, no, the, the other biggest ones they've had have been against Auburn in back-to-back years and bad Auburn teams. And um, against Florida who went six and seven. And, and that was the reason Dan Mullen got fired. So like even some of the success they had, you know, I'm not trying to be like negative about it. I just, that's a tough stretch, man, but I gotta be great if they fucking beat, beat, uh, beat Clemson. Georgia. That would be fantastic. Um, okay, cool. All right. Well, that's going to be the end of this preview. Um, if this you guys in the chat, hoping it would go too. This is perfect. If, if you guys in the chat are um, wanting to see one team uh, sooner than another, let us know. Otherwise, we'll just pick things randomly. How about that? Um, no, we need them to be in control and in charge of this because it did not go well when we had to make the decision. So it should, it should all go uh, shame. Um, Steven Garcia on Twitter. I don't think he's even on Twitter. Yeah. I don't think that would end well for any of the listeners because he just nah. he wouldn't give a shit anyway. But um, yeah, no, for real, let us know what we should do next. Um, and anyway, also, you guys, if you get a chance, check out American um, Spirit Works uh, and their distillery. They're, I, they're doing a big event at the end of the month. You guys should all check it out. It'll be a lot of fun. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. I'm Tyler. He's Chris. Five stars. Go do it. See you next time.